Welcome to the podcast for Wenton Baptist Church. I pray God uses this message to bless you in Jesus' name. Or limited worship. Here's just a few statistics for you. 79% of teens uh, who attend services, they do so because their parents want them to, and they also enjoy it. 79%. Because their parents want them to. They want to please their parents. The teens learn from their parents who are attending church. Here's another one. 49% of teens uh, say they say grace with their families. 49%. They pray at a a meal with their families. Here's another one. 25% of teens say that they commonly read scripture as a family. My point in showing you this, family is important. Families matter how, how they, it matters how you model your love for God in front of your team. In, in many ways, in most ways, we are responsible for the faith development of our children. We are at the very least responsible to them for sharing the gospel to them while they are under the roofs of our houses. We decry the times and the moments uh, that terrible tragedies are encountered by our kids. We're, we just talked about dr- three drive-by shootings in our little town. Why is it that these things happen? They're shocking. You know, school shootings are shocking. But, you know, it's almost like we've, we've grown used to them. How could we ever grow used to the news of this possibility? Or we might have to send a bulletproof backpack with our kid to school. Or we need to teach them to run, hide, or fight. Why do we have to do these things? We, could we ever imagine a day when that was possible? We'd have to share these things with our students. Many of us lament and, and say, my, how far have we come? Or we say things like, didn't used to be that way. Didn't, didn't used to be that way. And oftentimes we begin finger pointing. We try to find what's responsible, who's to blame, and uh, we, we, it's all over the map. We, we talk about pointing, it's, it's the government's fault, it's the school's fault, it's the teacher's fault, and, and if that doesn't work, what's well, the parent's fault? We, we try to point the finger, uh, and uh, we say only if the child would have had better parents. We say if, the, if they had a better upbringing, they might have turned out better. We, we do that also. We, we accept phrases even like, well, it takes a village to raise a child, and we think that's normal an acceptable truth, even something to live by. But I find in Scripture something different, a different principle, a different reality. It's simple yet profound for our time. The truth permeates the Old Testament and it permeates the New Testament. Same truth. And, and, and that is this, that we must teach the next generation about God and the truth of God's kingdom. That's our responsibility. We need to teach the next generation the onus is on us. You don't know that word. It means the responsibility is on us. And then we must teach the generation to do the same to the next generation of uh, the generations they encounter. This is how we transform the culture, church. That's how we transform the school system. That's how we transform the home. We teach the next generation about God's goodness and all that he has done. We not only teach, but we model. See? It's not just do as I say, it's do as I say and do as I do. Is what we teach echoed by our lifestyle before the next generation? Or do our actions cancel out our words? 
The Apostle Paul knew the value of teaching the next generation when he wrote Timothy, a young man at the time. He wrote Timothy this, and he wrote to him, and he said to him this in 2 Timothy 2.2, he says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men, who, in turn, will be able to teach others also. You see, there's a passing of the baton. There's a continuing of telling others about God's goodness, God's kingdom, God's truth. Uh, Timothy, you're responsible for the next generation. I, Paul, am responsible for you, being a young man as you are. I'm responsible for you to teach you God's truth. You see the pattern? But what you have heard from me, he says, first, it came from Paul. There's a, there's a cycle there. This cycle continues. Paul loved Timothy enough to teach him about the things of God. We must love our children enough to teach them about the kingdom of God. And not only that, we must see that we are responsible for the next generation. If it's just one, it's just one. So be it. Let's impact that one for Jesus Christ. That's what matters most. Let it not be said of us that we did not try to impact the kingdom of God around us. Let it not be said of us to this church that we did not try to impact our students and love them in Jesus' name and say we love you so much. We're willing to put it all on the line for you. We love you. We want you to do well. We want you to do things like register for a Christian group at Appalachian State University. We praise God for that right here in Little Winton, North Carolina. Jacob did it. Boy, I'm so proud. I'm so proud of Jacob Branch. I'm so proud. And that began here at this church. It did. You loved on him. You loved him all the way up when he was a wee little boy. You loved on him. Layla, too, the family. It began here. That's what we need to continue to do for our littles. For those that are serving. Cameron's so proud of her serving. I mean, she just, we're teaching, we're teaching them to serve. That's what we need to do. We, we, we do. We have to be responsible. One gen- the reality is this, church family, we are one generation away from closing the church doors at Winton Baptist Church. Let me say that again. We're one generation away from closing the church doors at this church. It's just the tip of the iceberg of our calling and responsibility before our children God has placed before us. Do we understand the weightiness and the heaviness of the great task before us, church? King David certainly did. In his his last psalm we have recorded here, the last psalm that King David wrote was Psalm 145. In his last psalm, we see four things we are to teach the next generation if we are to have any impact upon their lives. They're they're, they're, they're teaching them that there's always a reason to praise God. There's always a reason to praise God. That's what we need to be teaching them. We need to teach them that, uh, tell them the things of God, what God has done. Our midst. What has God done? Let me tell you what God did on Saturday whenever we got that check. Right, Tim? God did this. God gave church $30,000 like that. He can do it. He's big enough. That's what God did. That's what we need to tell our kids. God's faithful. We pray for God to take care of Wenton Baptist Church. Guess what? He sent us a check for twenty for $30,000. That's what God does. We need to share with the next generation. We can trust God to do it, and he will. He will. There's always a reason to praise God. We have to show them what God has done. We need to teach the next generation to reach the world for Jesus Christ. We can't just stay here in our pews. we got to get out there. we got to bring them in. Give them backpacks if we need to. We also got to teach them that we 
uh, we need to teach the next generation that God loves all people. He loves all people. Here's the first point. We ought to teach the next generation there's always a reason to praise God. He says this in the Psalms. He says, I exalt you, my God, the King, and I bless your name forever and ever. I will bless you every day. I will praise your name forever and ever. You see, David begins this psalm not as an eternal optimist, we know those, but at, as an eternal praiser, if you will. He says there in verse 1, I will exalt you, my God, the King, and bless your name forever and ever, forever and ever. This is amazing considering the trials that King David went through. He was hunted down by Saul and his enemies. He was, uh, he was caught in sin by Nathan the prophet. That was tough for any man to go through to be called out. Yeah, happens. He, he faced down a giant with five smooth stones. He's been through a lot. But he says, I will praise your name forever and ever. Amen. We need to teach the next generation. You can always praise God. No matter what you're going through, you can always praise God. In our teaching at VBS yesterday, we taught about the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three young teen boys. Some say they were any of the age between the ages of 13 and 17 years old. They were challenged to worship an idol or be burned in a fiery furnace. Here was their response. They said this to the king, they said this. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Even if he does not. Incredible they said that phrase. Even if he does not, that takes great faith to say that, even if he does not. Can we say that? Even if he does not, we're going to keep worshiping our God. We're not going to obey your, your false idol. If we were to fill in that blank of that phrase there, even if he does not, can we have the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Teenagers, even if he does not, I'm going to still worship my God. What if God does not cure me of my family of cancer, my family member? Even if he does not cure my family member of cancer, I'm still going to worship God. Even if he does not bring my, my relative to faith in Christ, I'm still going to worship God. Even if he doesn't get me the raise at, at work I deserve and need, even if he doesn't do that, I'm going to still worship him. Even if God doesn't take away my, my current pain or physical or mental anguish, even if he doesn't do that, I'm still going to worship him. What if God does not fill in the blank for you? Can we teach the next generation to praise God? Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. Do we have the stamina? Do we have the courage to do that? To stand in the midst of the valley? David says, I will bless you every day. I will praise you forever and ever. Not only do we teach the next generation to always praise God no matter what, we teach the next generation what God has done. God has done great things. Look at this. He goes on in verse 3. The Lord is great and highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Here it is, verse 4, pivotal verse. One generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. I love that verse. 
I will speak of your splendor and glorious majesty and your wondrous works. They will proclaim the power of your awe-inspiring acts, and I will declare your greatness. They will give a testimony of your great goodness and will joyfully sing of your righteousness. Look at verse 4 again. One generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. There is a responsibility that King David realizes, and yet we see it again in the Old Testament. It's to teach the next generation what God has done. What has God done? Look at these action verbs again. Declare, verse 4. Speak of your splendor, verse 5. Proclaim your power, verse 6. Declare your greatness. Give a testimony of your great goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. All these are action verbs. David understood the value of teaching the next generation of what the Lord has done. Has God something, done something good in your life? If he has, say amen. He has. We need to tell the next generation, yes, God's done something good in my life. God is good. We teach the next generation about the goodness of God. They need to know that God is good. And then of the horrible news that they see on the TV. God's still good. Even though people are suffering around the world, they need to understand that God is still good. Their suffering goes on. They need an answer to the suffering question. We can share with them, the next generation, that God is good. Again, I'll reiterate that the church is just one generation away, just one generation away from closing its doors. Give me an example. Could you imagine this church being turned to a restaurant? Say, Imagine driving by this church, and this church is now a restaurant. Here's a picture of a church who was turned into a restaurant. This is a trend now. It's a trend. This is in New Orleans. A church that was turned into a restaurant. You can, you can go to this church. Look at the, look at the lights. You can still see the, the, the resemblance of a church. What happened? What happened for the people of this church? I'm not saying that maybe there's something that didn't happen, but you have to wonder the people that were there, what happened where they had to get in this position to where the church turned into a restaurant? Maybe they sold the church building. I don't know. What happens? What if you were a former member of this church and you had to drive by that church that's now a restaurant? That feeling that you have, maybe there's something that we could have done. Maybe if I would have, if I would have just tried a little harder, if I would have come up with some other ideas, and this would not be. The church is one generation away. From closing its doors. What are we going to do with the next generation? May we see this as a sobering reminder of what God calls us, this next generation, to reach the next generation for Jesus Christ. May it never be said of us that we did not try. Not only do we teach the next generation to praise God, remind them of what he has done, but also we need to teach the next generation to reach the world for Jesus Christ. Verse 8 says this, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger. God's not an angry God. We need to teach our, our children that God's not an angry God. When the lightning storm comes, we don't need to, you don't need to have this sense that God's mad at you. Or, you know, maybe you sense that. Maybe as an adult you sense, oh, God must be mad at me now. Or thunder, that's, you know, God is a God of love, yes. Yeah, he's a God of wrath. But every, every, every thunderstorm doesn't mean that God hates you or God's vengeful or God's God's getting you. Well, he's watering the ground. And many times in Scripture, the rain is, is indicative of the blessing of God. 
God's blessing the land in a, in a lot of ways. Yes, there are calamities. and We have some of those in western North Carolina, eastern Tennessee now right now. Sure. You need to understand that God is, God is good. We need to tell the next generation to reach the world for Jesus Christ. The Lord, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and great in faithful love. The Lord is good to everyone. His compassion rests on all he has made. All you have made will thank you, Lord. The faithful will bless you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom and will declare your might, informing all people of your mighty acts. And then the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your rule is for all generations. I love that. All generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his actions. The message of the good news is that God loves his creation, that he is God, that salvation lies with God, and he's able to be, it was able to be declared by the Jewish people. God said, hey, Jewish people, you're my chosen ones. Here's your responsibility. Go to your neighbors and share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Share with them the gospel, the light of salvation, the light to the Gentiles. They didn't do it. They were supposed to. They didn't do it. We are supposed to do that. We're supposed to share God's love. David knew this, but the nation of Israel, they failed to do that. As we're going to continue to see in this section, that God's love is for all people. We teach our children uh, that the world is bigger than them, right? The world is bigger than them. It's a big place, right? The world is big, and the world needs God. We teach them about the necessity of missions. We tell them about missions. It's not just about our little church, but God said, go and make disciples of all nations, we teach them this. The command of Jesus is to take the gospel to the nations. God blessed us so that we might bless other people, not keep it to ourselves. Our theme, again, for VBS was to shine the light of God. Jesus said that a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do you light a lamp and put it under a basket. You hang it for all to see. Alice and I, or we, uh, Allison has just been talking to me about going camping, so we, uh, I finally Got up an gumption and reserved a spot to go camping, and we, we drove out there and found the site, and it's got a little campsite there, and it had a little steel pole there, uh, and so, uh, you know, maybe that campsite might look like this. Uh, you know, it's got a, there's, there's lanterns there. That what does it do? The lanterns light up the campsite, right? That's what the purpose of a lantern is, is to light up the campsite, to give light in the darkness, the light of the gospel is designed to give light to darkness. Hope to the hopeless. It can't do that, church, if it's not shining. It can't do it if it's not shining. We have to shine the light of the gospel. That's the reality. Not only must we teach the next generation to praise God, to declare his works, to reach the nations with the light of the gospel to shine forth. We got all these little light bulbs around. We taught our kids this past Saturday. We, we did our responsibility. We said, you know what? We got to be light. We got to shine, shine God's love. And we, we, we've told them about shining the light of Jesus to the world. That's what, that's what your church did. Your volunteers, they showed up, and they did that. You should be, you'd be so proud of them. We should also to teach the next generation that God loves all people. Verse 14 says this, The Lord helps all who fail, who fall. He raises up all who are oppressed. All eyes look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open up your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. See a pattern here? The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all his acts. The Lord is near all who call out to him. All. Circle that word in your, in, in your Bible, how many times that word all appears. 
The Lord is near all who call out to him, all who call out to him with integrity. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry for help and saves them. This is our God. The Lord guards all those who love him, but he destroys the wicked. God can't just be just a God of love and not punish sin. He wouldn't be completely a God of love. And there's consequences to sin. We must tell, teach our, our, the next generation that as well. Although they'll fall for the trap of sin. If we don't show them there are consequences for sin, and sin can destroy their lives. We must tell them the truth and the whole truth. It says, the Lord will guards the, all those who love him but destroys the wicked, but my mouth will declare the Lord's praise. Let every living thing bless his holy name forever and ever. Again, the word all there, it appears so many times. God loves the whole world. We must tell the next generation that God loves the whole world. I would have you know that that's not the message that someone wants you to believe, that God loves the whole world. That's not the message that someone wants this next generation to understand and believe. Some want them to believe that they are defined by the color of their skin. Some want them to believe they are defined, uh, you know, this, this critical race theory is, is, is garbage. Can I just say that? It's just it's garbage. It's actually counterproductive to what the church teaches. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Where's that at? We need to teach that to our children. That song, I remember that song from being very young. Maybe you don't know that song. It taught that we all bleed the same, right? It's not about our, 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 our skin tones. Even though our skin tones are different, it, it taught me that church cares about how we look at people of different races, different nationalities. And God hates racism. We should say amen to that church. God hates racism. He wants us to communicate his love for all people. And this can never be done if we continue with this, this stuff, this critical race theory stuff. That's beginning to permeate much of our messaging that our children are receiving. Teach them that God loves them. God loves all, all races, red and yellow, black and white. You be the filter. You ask the questions. You be the one who set the definitions and the boundaries and, and base them on God's word. Be the filter of everything your child consumes, your grandchild consumes. And let them know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. A city on a hill. A lamp. God calls us to be a light in the darkness. We've got a lamp here. What happens when we take this lamp and we light it? A very unique thing happens. Look at that. It's now lit. If I hide it, you can't see it. But if I hold that lamp up high, it becomes a light for all to see. We are to let the next generation know that they are to be a light of the gospel. This lamp represents that. Jesus said, this is what we are to be. We are to be a lamp. We are to light the way. One flame can pierce the darkness. Church, are we willing to teach the next generation that? Are we willing to let them know 
that God loves the whole world. God calls the church to be a lamp, a light, to not hide their light. That is my prayer for us today. Would you be that person to shine your light, to shine the love of God in such a way that people see the love of God? Let's pray.